Hey there, and welcome back, listeners, to Being Human is Weird. We have an extra special episode today. We have my friend and forced previous mentor, Chris Rabinera. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist in California, Michigan, and Nevada. In addition to those things, he also specializes in working with high performers such as physicians, dentists, lawyers, business owners, management, and individuals in the tech industry. He offers services for physician burnout, grief counseling, anxiety treatment, depression treatment, individuals with relationship problems, imposter syndrome, and therapy for men. So not very many things, but a couple, which is really great. (laughs) Today, he's going to discuss with us the best ways on how to find a therapist. So Chris, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me on your episode today. I'm very pumped to meet with you too. Have you always been the person that people talk to or what was your journey into therapy? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, not at all. Therapy is actually, I think, very, very difficult to perform, at least good therapy. I thought to myself, what do I actually like to do? What's important? All right. I like relationships. I like family. And I saw a a number out there, a statistic. Marriages were ending in divorce 50% of the time. And I was like, all right, that sounds interesting. I was taking a psych class at my high school. I was like, I want to do that. So then I applied to school and went to college. I ended up majoring in psychology and sociology. And then I had to go on to get my master's if I wanted to be a practicing clinician. So I took a year off of school and I worked with children that had or that were severely emotionally disturbed in an educational center. So I went to school. I got my master's degree in marital and family therapy. I did an internship with a hospice. So I learned about grief, death, and dying. So that's one of my specialties. Actually, I only work with a handful of issues. And it I, sounds I like to... you cover everything, but... <laughs> Is yeah. that a handful? That's like a, <laughs> a truckload, I, but thanks, thanks, thanks. I mean, I have a a wide skill set, but in terms of what I really, really focus on, I'd say it's relatively narrow. And that's one thing I'd want to talk about in terms of how to find a therapist. Yes, let's dig in. I have a lot of people in my life who are struggling to find a therapist right Mm -hmm. now and are coming to me. I'm not an expert on finding therapists. I've had several therapists in my life, but there's a huge shortage. And beyond that, finding the right one that you click with, not just the one that your insurance accepts and you've been waiting two months to see and then you see them and... It sucks, but you don't feel like you have any other options. So I'm really excited to learn what you have to say about this so we can help all of the world who wants to find therapists find the right therapist. (laughs) Chris, something that I am wondering and also feel a little bit strongly about is waiting until you feel the need for therapy. Do you think that that's appropriate or do you feel like anybody can benefit at any time from therapy? Everyone can benefit from talking to a trained professional. Everybody, I think everybody should have the opportunity to Mm -hmm. consistently just check in with somebody about what's going going on in their life. When would be the best time to reach out to somebody? I would say whenever that person is actually ready to. Therapy could look and feel and be many different things. So there's people that want to do some self-exploration. And if a person wants to do 
self-exploration, this would be considered non-directive therapy. So they could check in with somebody on a weekly basis and see how things are going, what's coming up for them. That person and the therapist would just go off on that and go from there and explore all of that and go down those rabbit holes. Now there are more structured therapies out there where let's say if somebody has feelings of anxiety, and then they could really go focus on that. What I see with a majority of people is they wait until something bad happens or Mm -hmm. they're at the end of their rope and they're like, oh, I really, really need help. I didn't really want to do this. But then this is what it's come to. I would say that it's kind of like preventative medicine. I would rather people have the skills prior to actually needing them. With therapy, yeah, everyone should just reach out if it's a possibility for them if they make mental health or behavior health a priority in their life. That's our emergency savings, building up those coping mechanisms and those skills that are healthy for us before we need them, like you said, makes so much sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when you are looking for a therapist or someone who's interested, what would be step one? Because it can be such an overwhelming process to think, okay, yeah, I want a therapist, but do I just Google therapy? You can Google just therapy. You can Google (laughs) (laughs) anything for your mental health. Step one would be try to figure out what you want. Kind of like an end goal. I'm always, me personally, I'm always about setting goals. Now, there are groups of people that actually don't know where they're going. Taking a step back, where should people start? Try to figure out what they want and how they want to improve or work on their mental health. It's very similar to how people figure out what they should do with their physical health. If some people are more proactive about it, I, I think they'd, be, they'd have better outcomes. So instead of waiting until something happens, think about it beforehand. Hey, I want to live this life. I want to I want to feel this way. All right. Cool. Then start searching for a therapist. And how does it work with insurance? I know that that's typically a big hindrance for individuals is a lot mm-hmm. of employers don't offer an employee assistance program or anything like that. So what's a cost effective way to go about it? Or how can people check to see whether they can make it affordable? Mental health has been a separate benefit from physical health, right? This I, is I, being I so that. bad. <laughs> it's very similar to how health benefits only include doctor's visits, but they don't include vision or they don't include dental. My eyes and my teeth are luxuries, you guys, (laughs) according to the government. Yeah, don't need them, really. (laughs) More and more insurances are allowing therapy visits. In terms of figuring out the cost of therapy and how to make it affordable, for me personally, I do not accept insurance. And one of the reasons for that is because there's lots and lots of red tape. One issue I have with it is you need to provide a diagnosis. I don't care about diagnosis, diagnoses, or diagnosing somebody. I care about the person in front of me. I care about the issues that they're having and what's the best way that they could get help. Giving a person a diagnosis can be very traumatic to people. There's uh, the red tape. One of them is the diagnosis. Another one is treatment. You have to treat a person in a specific way. Again, there may be limitations in terms of how many sessions there are. Uh, There's documentation issues on the provider side or the therapist side, as well as there's the financial side, not necessarily just for the uh, patient, but actually for the clinician. There's such a stigma surrounding therapy for some reason. And we we touched on this once in a while, like you have to be screwed up or something has to be wrong or you're off your rocker and you go see a quote shrink. And for me, it just doesn't make sense. But then once people overcome that, then they get into the space where it's why I can't afford to do that 
once a week. So I actually want to caution people about the idea of using tech company therapy services. For those who are looking to find help quickly, there are apps out there. Certainly I have experienced those. And I would say that is the least amount of therapy in a healing modality that I've ever received. So I am with you on that. For those who feel like either they have insurance or they don't have insurance, either way, how do I even start to find somebody that's going to fit with me and what I need? If I know that I want to work on XYZ, like you said, I'm clear on my outcome goals. How do I find somebody who aligns with that? So when we're talking about the financial piece of therapy, one suggestion that I would do is think about two different ways to get treatment. The first one is getting treatment through a person that is an intern or has a limited license. And what that means is they're working towards their licensure. Generally, their rates are significantly cheaper than somebody that is fully licensed. The reason for that, again, is they're not fully licensed. They don't have as much experience as somebody else. That's a good way to get your feet wet. Another way to get therapy services is through a sliding scale. No one's going to advertise that they have a sliding scale spot. And it's actually up to the client to ask if the person has a sliding scale. It just varies from clinician to clinician. Also, if a person is a college student, they could always go to their health center and ask. If a person is low income, they can always go and ask their primary care provider and see if they have any clinicians that accept their insurance. I want people to get better. I want people to get what they need. And so I would just call around, call a, call someone that they find, ask them a whole bunch of questions. We could get into those later. And once you get to their rates, see if they have a sliding scale. If not, see if they have anyone that they would recommend that fits what you need in terms of that okay. financial piece. I really want people to recognize mental health should be thought of as the same as physical health. And when you are thinking about how much you're willing to pay for this service. Think about how much you're willing to pay to go see a doctor for that cough mm -hmm. or that doctor for your knee injury. Just know that there is a cost associated with great care. Right. Just like there's a cost associated with not getting that care. I would caution people about receiving or getting services from tech companies that connect people with therapists, okay? So you see them everywhere. I am 100% sure that there are great clinicians on these sites. I can guarantee you sure. there are great clinicians there. But therapy is hard. It's very, very hard to do. It's a skill set that's learned. No, I just don't listen and spout off crap up the top of my head and give it back to you. No, 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 no. It's not the way that it works. It takes a lot of mental energy to do good therapy. Like what is their caseload? If you're looking for a clinician, you're looking for a therapist. Hey, how many people are on your caseload? If they are seeing too many patients, just know that burnout is very possible. Yeah, that's a good tip to ask them about their caseload. Um, do you have any other sort of tips on what we should be asking when we're first initially finding a therapist um, besides what is your caseload? Are you overwhelmed? Are you burnt out? <laughs> Am I going to have to help you? <laughs> Are you burnt out? Uh, that, that, 
that would be <laughs> that'd be ridiculous. When you're talking with a therapist or consulting with them, you want that good feel. You'll know very, very quickly if this person is a good person for you, whether they have, if they have the skill sets, if you feel comfortable with them, if you like their mannerisms, trust that gut instinct. Carrie kind of mentioned that earlier. It's It gets to a point where you've been searching for so long for somebody, you just hang on thinking, well, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go through another two or three, four, five, six months of trying to find someone, but you're exactly right. You need to trust your intuition. It's just like with meeting anybody. If it feels off, it's not worth wasting that extra time that you could be using to find another person. I, I have stayed with therapists for months that I knew weren't helping me. I wasn't getting as much out of it, which is a question we'll get to later, but how to break up with a therapist as well is mm -hmm. something I think is a skill we all want to learn, especially from a therapist side, so that we're not just ghosting you as I think is the norm in our society right now. I'm just not going to deal with that. <laughs> I feel like I just got rewalked through all of my failed relationships, not just with therapists. <laughs> Stay for too long. It wasn't working out. Got ghosted. Ghosted them. Yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of this gut feeling, if you think something's off or you don't think you fit well with this clinician, have a conversation with them. Because again, you're coming to this person for help and they're supposed to be helping you. And you're like, hey, I'm here. I'm showing up. I'm... I, something's supposed to be happening, something's supposed to be changing. What I do in my practice is every four weeks, I do a little bit of a deeper dive into how therapy is going. The reason for this is because I want to make sure we are headed towards our goals that we set at the beginning of our treatment. If you're not making progress towards your goals, uh, that's a huge problem. So either the clinician needs to do something different, like maybe there needs to be a change in treatment plan, or they need to consult with somebody else. As I said, there's that relationship dynamic of if you want to say something or if you should say something. And I would always say, bring, bring it up with your therapist because it might be an issue to explore because it might not actually be the therapist's uh, skill set, or it might not be the treatment plan. It really might be what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's not really the therapist. It's really the cycle that you have grown accustomed to or that you're in. And this cycle is just playing out with a therapist. And maybe they're going to point out, hey, I know exactly what you're talking about right now, Carrie. You're saying you're not making any progress. Let's take a step back and think about this. Where has this shown up in other areas of your life? Is it really me? <laughs> Am I the problem or are you? <laughs> or what's really going on? What's holding you back? Or is there something holding you back? It is a relationship that you form mm -hmm. with this person and you are probably after the first couple of sessions going to share some things with them that you've never shared with anybody or the potential is there. So like you're saying, Chris, you have to trust that there's somebody you feel comfortable doing that with. Not only that, you feel comfortable receiving that potentially negative feedback from. But if you can understand and get that right vibe from them that they're just there to help you, I think that that makes a difference. Everybody has to be so open-minded about it. Speaking of being open-minded about it, how can people set good expectations for themselves for therapy? Not, okay, I'm coming to therapy once a week, so I should be fixed here in another month, right? I'll be ready to go by summer, Chris, right? You're going to fix me. <laughs> how can we set up those expectations of, I know what I want to get out of therapy, fix it, do it, make it happen. <laughs> So that is something 
I would bring up with the clinician that you're working with. I mean, if it was easy work, everyone, everyone's mental health would be perfect, right? So therapy takes, again, time, months, years. It just depends on the issue that's going on. You just don't go into therapy and be like, all right, I'm having four sessions and it's done. Doesn't work that way. So in terms of like expectations, have those conversations with your therapist. Hey, how long do you think this is going to take? What are your expectations in terms of treatment? And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, I want people to have the skills prior to needing them. Mm -hmm. If your house is burning down, you don't want to learn how to use a hose right there. And then you want to already <laughs> know how to use a hose. Yeah. That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> if you are seeing a therapist for a length of time, let's say 8, 10, 12 weeks, and you mm -hmm. feel like you're having redundant conversations, is it normal or expected that you may decide hey, yeah, you helped me a lot, but now I think I want to move on and find somebody else? Or is it more typical that someone, when they vibe with the right therapist, they stay with them for the duration of their lives for forever? I would say that each client sets their own goals and has their own needs. That kind of determines what the treatment is going to look like. If the person feels like they're not making any progress towards their goals with this therapist, I would recommend having a conversation with the therapist. Mm -hmm. Same same thing as we said before. Is it the therapist? Is it their skill set? Is it them? Or is it something within inside of you? And this is off topic from having a therapist, but just thought mm -hmm. of it for individuals who maybe aren't ready to mm -hmm. consider therapy, but they know they'd like to work on themselves. Do you have any recommendations on free resources or websites? And Additionally, how can listeners find more information out about you and contact you? Google is a great is a great resource, right? <laughs> Again, you just have to remember that everything on the internet's true. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know you have to sift through all of that. Now, I always recommend my website. My website is thebaseeq.com. And Chris, and I, just as a side note, has a lot of blogs on his website. So if you're interested in diving deeper into one particular thing, check out his website. They're very good. I love them. <laughs> Thanks. What are a couple of takeaways <laughs> from today's episode that you hope listeners take away? <laughs> so two takeaways. The first takeaway is that therapy is for everybody. Whether you're panicking or at the end of your rope, therapy is for you. Or whether you feel that your mental health is perfect, therapy is still for you. The other takeaway is I would encourage people to think about mental health the way that they think about physical health. They are one in the same. You can't have one without the other. So when you're taking care of your health, make sure to think about mental health as health. Carrie and I were just bobbleheading so hard during that. Uh -huh, I seriously uh -huh. almost shattered my table. Tell us more about you, about your website, how people can find you, how we can share you with the world. Again, my name is Chris Robinera. My website is thebaseeq.com. You could find me on the social media. You could find me on the Instagrams. And my email address is chris at thebaseeq.com eq.com. I respond. As I said, I'm here to help support people and get people connected to services that they need, whether it's with me or with somebody else. I got you. Yay!
Thank you so much, Chris. This has been really awesome. So much good information and things that I've never thought about before when it comes to therapy. And I love therapy. So <laughs> great. Wonderful. I'm glad I could help support. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. If you are with us and believing being human is weird, then like, subscribe, share, all of those things that the kids are doing. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at beinghumanisweird. That's where we're going to be sharing resources, inspiration, and news about our podcast. And we would love to hear from you. So slide right into our DMs with questions, comments, and what you'd like to hear more of. And thank you so much for listening, weirdos.